0: Most of us have a very flawed view of what our Heavenly Father is like, okay? So Jesus came to show us what our Heavenly Father is like. Now, you have had a relationship with some preacher. You've watched some preacher on TV. You've been involved in a faith community for however long. I would say that regardless of how much you know about God, how many books you've read, how much you've read the Bible, all of us still have an incredibly flawed view of our Heavenly Father, You can study it your entire life. And the amount that you actually know about the father is minuscule compared to one day when you actually see, oh my goodness. So all of us have these experiences over and over and over of a fresh revelation of how good the father is for us. So one year we'll think, man, the Father is really good. And then a few years after that, it's like, oh, I had no idea he was that good. I know that the Father loves me. And then a few years go by and go, oh, I had no idea that the Father loves me. So the reason why we're going to Luke 15 is because the Bible says that nobody at any point in time has ever seen the Father except the Son who came from the Father. It is Jesus' responsibility. He didn't come to earth just to die on a cross. That was not the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus was to reveal his heavenly Father to the world. And we killed him for it. So just because you think that you like, have this revelation of the goodness of God, you know, surely when, I've, when I realize the goodness of the Father, everybody in the world's going to love me. In actual fact, when you start telling people that they're loved, it's crazy the aggression that comes out of people. When you say that, hey, God loves you, it's like, well, but I just want to let everybody know he'll send you to hell too. It's like, Well, why are we holding on to our view of hell stronger than we're holding on to the love of the Father? When you say, hey, God forgives you, somebody will always stand up and go, but you better be careful. Can we just say that, hey, God loves you? Hey, God forgives you. Hey, God has mercy on you, period. And we're kind of going to get into that a little bit um, later on. Okay. Luke 15, verse 11, the parable of the lost son. And with the coin that we read about, with the sheep that we read about earlier, these are not parables about lost things. These are parables about found things. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. Man had two sons. Younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. By the way, that means, hey, I would prefer you to be dead. Have you ever had the conversation with your parents about inheritance? And know that it's a it's kind of a touchy subject of like you start walking around the house like, Hey mom, this bowl. I mean, you're not using it right now. It's like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> That's still my possession. No, you can't have, have that bowl before I die. So the younger son said, hey, dad, I would prefer you to be dead. I want your money now so that I can, I can bounce. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings up and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the same time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Has that ever happened to you? It's like, oh, something bad's about to happen. Oh, it's about to get worse. Oh, it is getting worse. Oh, it's getting worse than I thought. So if you've ever had the thought of like, man, it can't get any worse than that, please don't ever say that out loud. Regardless of how bad it is, it can always get a whole lot worse. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now that's going to land differently to a Jewish culture than it is to ours. You know, feeding pigs, great. To a Jewish boy, feeding pigs is the lowest of the low. The young man began to be so hungry that even the ponds that he was feeding the pigs with looked good for him, but no one gave him anything to eat. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, "Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant." So he returned to the to the home of his father, and while he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven. Have you ever rehearsed a conversation? You know, like you're sitting in your car and, like, have an argument with your boss, like, in your head. Or, like, you do something wrong, so you rehearse your apology. And have you ever noticed that it never works out the way that you've planned it to work out? So he is, he is leading in um, has your dog ever done something in the house and you can see on your dog's face that it's done something wrong? It's like, you're not supposed to experience these kind of emotions. And why is there shame on your face? What have you torn up? Has your kid ever done something wrong? And you just can see it all over their face. And they start with, Hey, I just want to let you know that you, I think you're really amazing. It's like, what have you done? You know, they try to butter you up. He immediately launches into this prepared apology, this rehearsed apology. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy. And his father cuts him off. Mid-apology. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. When he asked one of the servants what was going on, your brother is back, he was told. This father has, your father has killed the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. He was pouting. By the way, we Christians pout a lot. When we don't get our way, we pout. but Maybe not you. I pout. His older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, not got mad at him, not threw a brick at him. His father begged him to come into the party, but he replied, "All these years I have slaved for you. You never once refused to do a single, or I never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all the time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours—Have you ever done that to your spouse, your child? Oh, great! Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, and you celebrate by killing a fatted calf." His Father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has now come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. The first thing that I want to point out, by the way, we could camp out in the story of the prodigal son all year. And every line, there is something for us to learn. The first thing that I want us to pick up the sheep that was led astray, led astray by its, by its own appetites, it had its head to the ground, it was eating grass and looked up and was lost. Did the sheep do anything to get lost? Was it the sheep, Did the sheep wake up one morning and go, you know what? I'm going to get lost. No, the sheep was just dumb. It was just ignorant. Can anybody relate to the sheep? Like, how have you messed up your life? I'm ignorant. I just did it by sheer stupidity. Did you mean to mess up your life? I promise you I haven't. Yet here I am. Did the coin do anything to get lost? No. Did the coin wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm not really feeling that valuable. I'm going to fling myself off of the desk. No. There are some things that have happened to you that's not your fault. They just happened to you. You got broken through no fault of your own. It just happened to you. It is not the will of the Lord that the coin got lost. It is not the will of the shepherd that the sheep got led astray. Did the son do anything to become lost? Yes. This one, he planned on it. He meditated. He's like, you know what, Dad? I would love for you to go ahead and die so that I could have money. Why in the world did he need money? Because he was planning on what he was going to spend that money on. Did the son move out to a different city, buy a house, start a, you know, a business? Nope. We know exactly what he spent his money on. The beginning of the story was kind of nice, said wild living. When we got to talk to his older brother, spent all of his money on prostitutes. We know exactly what he was doing with all of his money. There are things that are broken about you because you did it on purpose. You planned to get into the fix that you were in. You knew better and you didn't do better. So everything that is messed up and broken about our lives fits into one of those cups. It either happened to you, you were too dumb to realize what you were doing, or you messed up on purpose. Notice how all three of these are still covered under the same grace. When you mess up on purpose, it's no different than when something just happened to you. Everything is fixable by the Lord. So when the son planned to break his father's heart and to leave home, what did the father do? He let him run away. Okay, so this gets into a little bit of a hairy situation. Notice that the father did not intentionally protect him from the consequences of his idiot decisions. Hey, I'm going to leave. Okay. Go for it. The father aided and abetted him leaving. So there are times that we have a relationship with our father. I almost promise that all of us have walked through this little valley. I am choosing to distance myself from the Lord. I am choosing to distance myself from faith. And I get so frustrated that the Lord Lord never came and found me. Aren't, isn't the, the Lord supposed to be like the shepherd that leaves the 99 and comes after the one? Yeah. But if I am where I am because I have chosen to be there, there's nothing that the Lord can do. And the reason why that's important is because there is no love outside of the ability for us to have free choice with that love. In the garden, there was a paradise. And God created everything for Adam and Eve to enjoy and to eat, to have their fill of. And then he planted in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, hey, don't eat that one. Why? Why did he do that? Because if you force somebody to be in a relationship with you, that's not love. And anytime that this topic comes up, we always say it the same way. If I kidnap somebody and keep them in my basement, I can't call that a relationship right? That's kidnapping. If the Lord came and got me, pulled off the scales of my eyes against my will, if the the Lord brought me into relationship against my will, that's not love. That's kidnapping. But we think I would prefer the Lord to kidnap me to save me from my own idiot decisions, right? Sometimes it would be easier. Man, I just wish that you would override my free will, but the thing, the, the core attribute, attribute of who God is, is love. And what love can't do is love can't manipulate. And so the Heavenly Father has to sit there and watch his kids walk away. Because he doesn't have the ability to violate love. Right? the justice in God, all, all, of other, or all of God's other attributes are not powerful enough for him to override his core attribute as that of love. And when there's love, there's freedom. You know, Sting said it. You know, if you love somebody, set them free. Free, free, set them. No Sting fans, great, awesome, it's just me. The problem is none of us have ever been in a 100% loving relationship. You've had relationships with your dad, your mom, siblings, friends, spouse. All of them have that, that whiff of manipulation. Have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody that was like super passive aggressive? You know, mother-in-law, father-in-law, spouse of like, hmm, must be nice to get flowers. Do you want flowers? No. Why would you say that? That's manipulation. What love does is say, hey, I would like some flowers. Got it. No, but if you actually love me, you'd be able to read my mind, you'd be able to give me everything that I ever want, I'd never have to communicate it. No, it's not love. So we think that God would respond to us the way that we've seen love. I've seen love as that manipulative weirdness. So I put that junk on God. Oh God, I shouldn't have to tell you what I've got going on. You should just be able to know and just rescue me from every situation that I'm going through and I shouldn't have to do anything. That's not what love does. And so I will get myself in horrendous situations and I will look to heaven and heaven will look back at me. What you need? You should know. Blind man comes up to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you need? Peter Lord, he's blind. Hush. What do you need? My eyes? Got it. Why in the world wouldn't Jesus just automatically cure? It's because there is a freedom of choice. Now, your your free will is incredibly powerful. Your free will is powerful enough to stop up the God that created the universe. If we do not partner with the love of God... The love of God does not flow in our lives. All right? So the, the son got his inheritance and left, and the father watched him leave. If you ever want to walk away from faith, you have the ability to walk away from faith. If you ever want to walk away from the church, you have the ability to walk away from the church. If you want to walk away from your family, you have the ability to walk away from your family. And it's nobody else's job to manipulate you back into relationship. If we don't take the weight of our own decisions personally, all I'm ever going to do is be tossed around on everything. The government's doing this. Congress is doing this. The president is doing that. Who cares? Who cares? Well, I heard that the market be- Who cares? We are powerful people, and it is about time that we stop letting life happen to us and start making decisions, and start taking responsibility for the decisions that we make. Now, at the same time, did the coin do anything to become lost? No. Sometimes there are things that happen to you that are outside your control, but not everything that is going on in your life is outside of your control. Most of the situations that we find ourselves in are because we have walked away from the love of the Father intentionally, okay? So, with there, when there's love, there's freedom. That's the first thing that that we need to Get in our heads because if we don't get that in our heads, we will think God is a hateful being. Why would we think God is a hateful being? Christmas morning, there was a guy that loaded, regardless of whatever conspiracy theory you think, there was a guy that loaded explosives in an RV, drove it into Nashville, and blew it up. It a tremendous amount of Destruction. Why? Because that man was incredibly powerful in the decisions that he made. Why in the world didn't an angel stop him from doing that? It's not what love does. But but surely God loved the people that would be damaged by that. He does. But that love does not override free choice. Because we don't understand this, we manipulate the character attributes of God and we start saying incredibly manipulative things on, hey, somebody in my family has cancer and we will say, God has a plan. Yeah, and it doesn't involve cancer. But we, we have to say like, well, if God is all powerful and he knows everything, he knew that that man was loading those explosives onto that RV. And if, and if he's all good, if he's always doing good things all the time, then that must mean that the man loading explosives on that RV was actually good. That everything that happens is according to God's will. That, you know, if your kid, you know, falls ill by some disease, we say, well, you know what, I don't, I don't understand it, but God has a plan for this. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with sickness. We are in a state in the world that we are in because of the decisions of men walking contrary to the kingdom of heaven. So when something bad or evil happens, we do not put it on God. It is not the father's fault that this man was sitting in a pigsty, depressed and angry. It's not God's fault. At any point in time, the father in this story could have fixed every situation, yet the son chose to walk out here. Ted Kaczynski chose to walk outside of the kingdom of heaven and cause rampant destruction. When we choose to walk contrary to the kingdom of heaven, we let death and destruction reign in our lives. But even all of those choices, powerful though they may be, the gospel has the ability to fix all of it. He doesn't stop all of it, but he has got a plan to redeem all every bit of this, okay? So the first thing that we've gotta get in our heads is that, fr- that love is associated with freedom. Another thing that the father did was create a home that was nurturing and worthy to be remembered. This son had a flawed view of his father. If the son actually knew how good the father was, he never would have left home. Both of these sons had a flawed view of the father. So when I get it in my head that I want to walk away from the Lord, that I don't care what what Jesus has to say to me, I'm going to leave. We are not leaving because of God. We are leaving because of a lie that floats around in our head, or we are around abusive people. And so we flee from abuse, we flee from rejection. And we sit in whatever life that we've created. And if we don't ever remember how good it was to be in our father's house, we never come home. So some practical tips for, for all of our parents. And we are, we are not heaping on an ounce of shame. All of us have made bad decisions in the past. Every parent in this room has made bad decisions. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. However, you can start today by creating a home that is loving and nurturing. It's not going to be perfect. I promise it's not going to be perfect. And that doesn't mean that that kids don't wash dishes, that kids don't take out the trash. There's chores and there is responsibility in a good, nurturing, loving home. It it doesn't mean like, hey, we're eating, you know, ice cream cake every Sunday. Uh, That's not what love is. But the Father provided a nurturing, loving place so that when the Son was out in the middle of nowhere, he said, man, even the servants of my father's house ate better than this. So what do we do as a church? What do you do as as a mother and a father? We create an environment to remind people of how good it is to be in our father's house. The problem that we run into is that we are frail, broken individuals, and if we don't manage that brokenness, what we do is create atmospheres of abuse. I live my father was not an abusive father. My mother was not an abusive father or mother. But we create homes that are are fear-laden, that you're you're afraid to to say something out loud because of the reaction that your parents are going to have. Or one of your parents is incredibly manipulative. They don't show you what love is like. And so when you get in a messed up situation in your life, There's no memory to engage to get you to come back into your father's house. So what we do as parents, what we do as fathers and mothers of the house, because believe me, people stream into this room all the time. People uh, get into our YouTube stream all the time that have come from broken and messed up lives. And we are the do-over that God has arranged to fix the messed up childhood that they grew up in. So what we do around here is we create an atmosphere free of abuse free of shame, free of ridicule. So that when people abandon the faith, because let's face it, all of us walk away from the Lord. There's no way around it. There are some of us that walk away from the faith. Some of us do it by leaving the church. We walk away from our faith and we go somewhere else. Or we walk away from our faith, but our bodies are still here. Regardless of how you walk away from your faith, We want to create an atmosphere that when somebody walks away, they remember how much they were loved, how accepted, how valuable or how valued they were. When the son came home, so the coin, what did the coin do to get found? Nothing. What did the sheep do to get found? Nothing. What did the son do to get found? We could say, well, he repented. He apologized. He asked for forgiveness. The father didn't let him finish. His restoration had nothing to do with his asking for forgiveness. So we will say to people all the time, well, you know, if you want to come back to the Father, you know, the first thing that you have to do, you have to confess all of your sins. You have to say that you're really sorry. You have to promise you'll never do them again, which is a lie. We convince people that you have to lie to Jesus in order to come back into the faith. What did the son come, or what did the son do to come back home? All he ever did was remember how good his father was. That was enough. That was enough. When he came home, the father saw him from a long distance away. He was filled with love and compassion, ran out to meet the son. Now, if your, if your view of the heavenly father is not a heavenly father that runs out to meet you filled with love and compassion, you do not know the heavenly father that, that Jesus knows. The enemy or the church or your own mind has replaced a false idol in place of our heavenly father. And I promise you, your life would be a whole lot better if you would wake up to a revelation of how good the father loved you. The father, filled with compassion, saw his son afar off, ran out to meet him, immediately embraced him before anything else that was going on. Before cleaning him up, the father immediately embraced him. Restored connection, that was the first thing that the father did. Before the father is ever concerned about the sin in your life, before the father is ever concerned about the wrongs that you've ever done, the first thing that he does is to restore relationship. Restore connection, that's the thing that the father is concerned about. All the other stuff is secondary. Cleaning your life up, getting you to to understand that like, hey, this is not the way that we do life in the kingdom, all that stuff is secondary. The restoration of relationship is the first and foremost thing. So when people come into this house, we do not care about how clean their lives are. The first thing that we do is we restore connection and relationship. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last month. I don't care what you did last year. I want to let you know you are restored into relationship the second that you come back, regardless of what, you, what you've done. Now... Does there come a time that you, know, that you get to go back to the house and you start taking a shower and cleaning the pigsty off of you? Yeah, but that's not the first thing that we do. He restores a relationship. He puts a robe around his shoulders, puts sandals on his feet, and puts a ring back on his finger. He restores the, the rights of sonship. Did, did the son deserve an ounce of that? Yes. Why? Why? Because he was a son of the king. He was a son of the father. People in your life and you will engage in activities and behaviors that we would think discredit them from the kingdom of God. Well, he can't serve in the kingdom. He's had an affair. He can't do this. You can't do this because you've done that. Of course you can't worship. Do you know how much meth you made last week? If you made half the meth that you did last week, you might be able to worship. But because you did whatever thing that you did last week, we think that that discredits people from the kingdom. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. The thing that credits you for the kingdom is your, your identity as a child of the king. Because if we think that the actions that we engage in discredit us from sonship or daughterhood, we actually think that, well... The thing that makes me worthy of that sonship or daughterhood is the things that I'm doing. If me sinning can knock me out, then me reading the Bible can bring me in. Me fasting can bring me in. Me sitting up very straight in service can bring me into sonship or daughterhood. Nope. Has nothing to do with what you do. It's who you are. You were born into the family. And there's nothing you can do about it. And if you think that you weren't born into the family, you were adopted into the family. Who cares you know, if your parents believe the Lord? We are all these random lost sheep. We are all these random lost coins. But we didn't stay that way. We've been found. Every one of us goes through times where I would rather my dad be dead and I'm leaving the house. I'm going to waste my inheritance on wild living there's always opportunity for you to come back home. I don't care how dark of a situation you ever get into and people that are listening online, I don't care how dark of a place you're in. Remember how good it is to be in your father's house. And if you don't know a father that it was good to be in his house, please allow me to introduce you to somebody. If you are ever in, in way over your head and you don't have somebody to call, I need to introduce you to somebody that you can call. I'm so sorry that you grew up in a household that you didn't experience the love of a father. We can change all that today. So practically, how do we live our lives like that? The same thing that we learned about the coin, the same thing we learned about the sheep, is the same thing that we learned about this son that was lost that's, that's now found. Now next week, we're gonna have a little bit of a conversation about the older brother because the older brother was just as lost As the younger brother, it's just his lostness looked like, you know, normal church folk. You know, I've been slaving all day in the house of the Lord. and The Lord's never thrown me a party. You shouldn't have a party either. We're going to do that next week. But all three of those, the the lamb, the coin, and the son are valued and loved and cared for by the father. All three of those are celebrated by the father if we do not establish the foundation in our faith that you are worthy of celebration and searching, we will never understand the other truths about Jesus. We will never understand the other truths about the kingdom of heaven. You, through no fault of your own, got put in a messed up situation. You, because you're ignorant, got put in a messed up situation. And you, because of the decisions that you have made on purpose, got put in a messed up situation. Yet none of those situations had the ability to decrease your value. The coin, when it was found, did it lose value during its time of lostness? Nope. That coin still had the same value. If I find a silver dollar in my car, it is worth silver, it's worth a dollar, no matter how much gunk is on it. Now, that lamb to the shepherd, did it lose any of its value because it got led astray? No. We we just saw the father respond to the son. Did the son lose an ounce of value because it spent time in a pigsty? Nope. If you don't understand that you are valuable, worthy enough for celebration, worthy enough of love from the, the king of the universe, we'll never get the rest of it. Nor will we treat other people in our lives the way that they need to be treated. Because if I don't know that I am loved, I don't have the ability to love anybody else. If I don't know what true love is, I, I give out manipulation. I give out passive aggressiveness. I give out abuse. But if I understand that I am valued and that I am loved, all of a sudden it fixes the flow in my life. So let's go ahead and stand up. And we'll talk about the older son next week. I want you to put a hand on your chest, right over your heart. If you can calm down just enough to be able to feel your heartbeat, that little thing that's pumping away to keep you alive has been through a rough valley. Through no fault of its own, it's been broken over and over and over. You have had loved ones that have broken that heart. You have had family members that have broken that heart, and it wasn't your fault. Your own idiocy and ignorance has put that heart through the wringer. There have been um, appetites that you have followed that has broken your heart. And we have all made decisions that I don't know that that we intended the consequences, but I have made choices that have broken my own heart. That little thing that's fluttering away to keep you alive has been through a ringer. But I promise, Jesus has the ability to heal every bit of that. And like I said, the, the first Sunday of the month, You can't get taught what the love of the Father is. You have to experience it for yourself. Because you read Romeo and Juliet does not make you an expert in love. You have to experience it for yourself. I can't do it for you. The person sitting to the left and the right can't do it for you. This thing has to be healed by Jesus himself. A teaching message, you know, won't fix it. Having somebody pray for you is not going to fix the brokenness in, the, in this heart. Jesus himself has to fix it. He's the healer. So I just want you to whisper, Jesus, will you heal my heart? If you've never been able to believe that your heavenly father values you, loves you, celebrates you, comes running after you. If you can't see your heavenly father do that, I want to introduce you to a wonderful God who loves you, You risk nothing by just saying, hey, I would love to meet that God. It's one of the most beautiful prayers that ever came out of the 70s, 80s. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Jesus, I I don't even though that I think I understand what the love of my heavenly father is like, I, I want to know what love is. And Jesus, it was your job to show us. So today, pray that you would introduce us to the father. If you've got things that, that need to be cleaned off of your life, we can worry about that later. We've got all the time in the world to, to get around to that. I wanna let you know that regardless of what you did last week, last month, last year, you are a son, you are a daughter of the King. And there is a robe that has your name on it. There are sandals for your feet that have been set aside waiting for you. I don't want you to ever avoid the gaze of the Father because you're ashamed of what you've done. He is the only solution. He's the only one that has the ability to fix it. So Father, I would love for you to fix the mess that I'm in. When we wake up to how well the Father loves us, it is no longer a struggle for us to love other people well. In Christian circles, we command people to love. We don't show them a model, and we don't, we don't give them the ability to, but we beat them up when they, when they can't love well, when they can't love effectively. And it's because you've never been shown the right way. And so what we do is we just white-knuckle, and we try as hard as we can to be as loving as we can. And that's not the way to do it. All we need to know is, go. oh, that's what love is. And all of a sudden the flow starts going and, and the healing that we receive, we give out to the generations around us. You have been hurt by your parents. You have been neglected. You have been abused by your parents, but it doesn't have to cascade onto the next generation. It's a big old process of walking through your past walking through all those generational curses and forgiving the people up, uh, upstream in your family tree so that we don't continue to pass generational curses onto our kids and our grandkids and our great, great grandkids. It can stop with you. But in order for it to stop with you, you have to be able to look in a mirror and love the person that you see. To have the person in the mirror look back at you and deem that person worthy of love, worthy of a robe, worthy of sandals, and worthy of a ring on your finger. You have to deem that person worthy to be found you have to deem the person that you see in the mirror worthy of being celebrated. Is it because of anything that you did? No. It's because you have a Father in heaven that loves you. And if we don't understand that, we won't understand anything else.